It looks like we're gonna need some gas. Oh? Well, how much gas you think is in there right now? Well, it's on E. You know, look, oftentimes Jerry, he lends me his car, and I find myself in a situation where the car is almost out of gas. But for a variety of reasons, I don't want to be the one responsible for purchasing costly gasoline. So you want to know how far you can drive your friend's car for free? Well, I make it up to him in other ways. Where is it now? There's still some overlap between the needle and the slash below the E. How low are you going to go? Oh, I've been in the slash many times. This is nothing. You'll get used to it. Just put it out of your mind. Have you ever been completely below the slash? Well, I almost did once, and I blacked out. When I came to, the car was in a ditch, and the tank was full. I don't know who did it, and I never got to thank them. Mr. Kramer, the road! Stop! Stop! Is it just the angle I'm looking from? No, sir. We are down there. Oh, this is amazing. Oh, I never felt so alive. <laughs> All right, I'm satisfied. We better get some gas. What? Well, we can't stop now. What do you mean? We have to keep going all the way back to the dealership. That was the plan. There was no plan. Well, let's make it the plan. Let's just go for it like Thelma and Louise. They drove to a dealership? No, they drove off a cliff. You're one sick mama. I like it. All right. Thank you to Seinfeld and Kramer. You got to love Kramer. I, I got to start off this message with a, a survey, if you don't mind, a real quick survey. Um, how low do you typically go? How low do you get your gas tank? How low do you get it to go before you refill it? How low do you go? Now, let me just ask the question. How many of you say, I let mine go about a quarter empty, and then I think about putting some gas, right? We got a little picture of, it, of, the, of my gas thing here real quick. Let's get it up there. I want you guys to understand this. All right, that's half full. Let's go to quarter full. Let's work on it. Here we go. Here we go. How many, how many of you fill up the gas that quarter? It's quarter full. All right, all right. All you spiritual people out there. How many of you, you do it, you do it when it's half full. Let's see the half full people. All right, now these are the real, real spiritual people right here. All right, there, we got one back there. It's half full. You fill it up. All right, here's the next one. Ready? How many of you, you fill up when it's five miles past E? Raise your hand. I mean, you, you go to the limit. You go to the limit. Okay, good. We got some, we got some honest people. Now, here's, some, here's where honesty really going to kick in. But how many of you, you ran out of gas before? You have ran out of gas. That's me up here. All right, there we go. Thank you. Look at, look at these people around you right here. These guys are awesome. We have ran out of gas. We have been there. We have done that. We have done what Kramer, <laughs> you know, hey, we can keep going. We can make it. And, uh, and so today, we're going to talk about running on empty. Running your life on empty as we wrap up this message series on margin. We're going to finish margin. We've talked about margin the last few weeks. And uh, lots of different ideas, lots of different thoughts here. But today I wanted to kind of wrap this up as we talk about running on empty. Running on empty. Why do you run out of gas? 
Why does your car run out of gas? And there's some parallels here on why your car may run out of gas. Some parallels here and some applications. But first of all, number one, if you're taking quick notes, you're too busy to pause and refuel. Too busy to pause and to refuel. And we've all done this. You're in a hurry. You're busy. You know you need to get gas. But you think, you know what, I'm just going to push it a little bit further because I don't have time to pause. I don't have time to wait. I'm already late for the appointment. I'm already, you know, late for the meeting. I don't have time to stop. All right? And so we're too busy to stop. And that's why we ran out of gas. Here's another idea. Unaware of hidden leaks. Hidden leaks that are draining your gas tank. There's leaks. And, of course, if you look at your life, there are leaks in your personal life. Hidden leaks. You don't even wait. I'm aware of it. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a responsibility. But there are some hidden leaks that are draining your life without even realizing it. The third idea of how you run out of gas or why you run out of gas is you ignore the owner's manual. You ignore it. You push your car farther than it was created to go. Most cars have an owner's manual. I doubt you've ever looked at it, but in your, you know, dashboard, it's right there, probably in front of your passenger seat, sitting there, and it's pretty thick, and it tells you everything about your car. Everything, everything, every detail, why the light comes on, what does it mean when the light comes on, what you should do when you hear this noise and all this stuff. And on the same level, we have an owner's manual for our lives, and that's God's word, and oftentimes we ignore it, right? We ignore it. Here's the fourth reasons why we run out of gas is we're being distracted and we don't pay attention to the gauges. We're not paying attention to the gauge. We're not looking for the warning lights. We're not paying attention. We're too distracted. We all have warning lights in our lives. Blink. They ding. You hear that ding noise. But sometimes you just totally ignore it in your own personal life. and You're not paying attention. You run out of gas. Number five, being overloaded. Being overloaded. Perhaps you're just taking on more than you can handle. Same way for a car, same way for a person's life. And you can run out of gas really quickly. Number six, rapid acceleration. This is the pedal to the metal lifestyle. Pedal to the, I mean, you got the, you know, the gas tank all the way pressed to the floor. You're in a hurry all the time. And before you know it, you're going to be out of gas really quickly. Last, last idea here. You think the limits of your tank don't apply to you. All right, that's what Kramer did, right? It doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to me. And, and, and we think we can keep going. We've got room. We've got margin. That little E, we can go past 5 miles, 10 miles past E. We'll be okay. We've got room. And you run out of gas because you don't think it applies to you. And this idea is the idea of ego. This is the idea of pride. And some of you think you're Superman. You think you can do it. You know, you can handle it. And you think that you're above the laws of God. You're above the laws of nature. That you're, you know, you don't, you're, you're above how, how you think God wired you. You think you've got it all together. And really quickly... You'll run out of gas faster than you realize. 
And so you keep pushing and pushing and pushing and never stop thinking that the limits don't apply to you. And this morning, some of you are running on empty. Some of you have been on E. Or you're getting close to E. Some of you are past E. You're past empty. You're about to hit the wall with your life. And so my question for you this morning is, how do I keep my tank full? How do I keep it full? How do I live a life with margin? Now, margin, we've been talking about this, and as we finalized this message, we had the definition that margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. It's the amount available beyond what is necessary. Margin is the space between my load and my limits. Margin is having some breathing room in your life. It's not cramming every moment with activity. It's not cramming your budget. and not having any margin in your finances. It's creating reserve so that you're not running on empty all the time. We talk about how you need margin in your physical, emotional, financial, time, and everything. Margin. Now, speaking of margin, before I go on to this message, I realize that there are some in this room who made margin in their lives. They dedicated a season of their life, some short, some longer than others, but you gave margin, and you were willing to lay down, you were willing to lay down your life for our country. And I can't ignore that this weekend is Veterans Weekend. And, you know, every year I want to take a minute and just honor those who have served our country. If that is true, you gave margin, you gave time so that others can have the freedom to create margin in the, in the country that we live in. But if you are a veteran, you serve our country. Will you please stand? Can we honor you for a minute? Please stand. All those... Thank you. Thank you, you guys. Men and ladies, thank you. Thank you. And, of course, this is the 100-year anniversary of the, of the end of war, World War I today. And, um, and so a lot to be thankful for in our country, for those who gave their life and willing to serve and give margin in our country so that we have that freedom. As we continue to look at margin, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, that's been a key passage. We started this in week one. I want to come back to the passage of Scripture because there's so much wealth and information and so much wisdom here um, in the three verses that Matthew chapter 11. It said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That's overload. No margin. It said, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And this morning, I want to take a few minutes. I want to look at four steps on how you and I can keep our tank full and not live on empty. 
four steps. Number one, if you're taking notes, get fed up. Get fed up with the way that you've been living. Just get fed up. Nothing happens in your life until you get dissatisfied with the way your life is. As long as you're willing to live in a rut, as long as you're willing to, to live stressed out, as long as you're willing to live overextended, as long as you're willing to live sick and tired of being sick and tired, nothing is going to happen as long as you're willing to live there. You have to get fed up with the way you've been living. And I don't know what it's going to take in your life to decide that I'm not going to live this way anymore. You might have heard a message in this message series. And you say, man, Scott, that was so good. That was so good. Many of you, last week, we, we pruned a tree. For the record, the tree is still alive, okay? Just, just making sure y'all were worried about the tree. The tree's good. And so many of you said, man, that was the message I need to hear. That was so good. But you're still living out the same way. Nothing has changed. You haven't done anything with the messages. You haven't done anything with maybe the Holy Spirit teaching you something. You're still stuck because you have not decided to get fed up with the way you've been living. You're stressed out, running on empty, pressured, tired, all these things. You still haven't made a change. Now, what caused us to get dissatisfied? What caused us to finally make a change in our life? And the answer is pain. <laughs> pain. Pain. You see, here's, here's the point I want to make. We don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. We change when the pressure is on, and when we know that, man, we're going to have a choice. When the heat gets hot enough, and you're flat on your back, we're forced to make a change in our lifestyle. In fact, sometimes God has to lay you flat on your back in order for you to look up and to be able to see him. I love what Psalm 23, verse, verse number 2 says. He, the shepherd, makes me. If you want to underline that word, mate. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. Didn't talk me through it. Sometimes he, he as a shepherd, got to kind of make that sheep lay down. Some of you parents that have little kids, you know what I'm talking about at night. All right? You've you got that little girl or that little boy that just wants to keep getting back out of bed and keep getting up. And we have to constantly make. What do you have to do to make her lay down or make him lay down? You know, I mean, you, you say, hey, you know, I'm going to lay down with you. And now I'm going to hold you down so that you can fall asleep. But sometimes we do that. We have to make our kids go to bed. Has God ever had to make you lay down? Has he ever had to make you lay down because you weren't smart enough to do so on your own? You have done enough. You need to recharge. God wants you to refuel 
He said, all you are weary and burdened. Stop living this way. You have to recognize that you're tired. You've got to recognize that you're carrying a heavy burden. Are you tired of running on empty? Are you fed up with the pace of your life? Are you willing to do something about it? I pray that before number two, three, and four actually happens, you have to stop living in denial. And say, you know, I'm tired of living this way. I shouldn't have to live 24-7, pedal to the metal. I, I, I keep going, I keep draining. I, 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 run out of, I run out of weeks in my life. There's not enough days, there's not enough hours in my life to get everything done because I'm trying to get everything done I can't. And the pressure, so I'm up late at night. I'm early, up early in the morning just trying to make it all happen. And I pray that you just get fed up. Maybe you need to get fed up with the way you've been spending. We talked about finances a couple of weeks ago. And said, man, we, I, I, run out of, I run out of months before the money dries out. You know, and, and, and it's so intense financially. And at the same time, you still have extra spending that you're spending on that's not necessary and, and yet you haven't got to that place where you got fed up. You got to get to that place where you're fed up. And so we're going to make some changes. We're going to cancel the cable bill. We're going to cancel the things that we don't need. Finances, margin, time, margin, emotional health, margin. You got to get fed up if you're going to do something about it. You've got to get you have to get to that place. And if you make that decision, if you make that decision, you're not going to break. But you will have a breakthrough. You will have a breakthrough. Here's the second step. It's so, so simple yet so complicated. It's come to Jesus. Number two, come to Jesus. The second step to refilling your tank is to come to Jesus. Jesus says in verse 28, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Notice who you're to come to. I want you to notice that. Notice who you're to come to. He doesn't say, get this now, he doesn't say, come to church. He doesn't say, come to religion. He doesn't say, come to rules. It doesn't say come to rituals or traditions, regulations. You see, it's not a program for stress relief. It's not a philosophy. It's not a pill. It's not a plan. It's not a program. It's a person that has the ultimate answer for the question that you're looking for. For the question that you've been asking, it's a person. Jesus said, come to me. Me. Come to me. What you need is not a religion. What you need is a relationship. And the answer to the stress in your life is not a planned program pill. It's a person. Come to me. Jesus said, I'm no one who made you. I'm, I know everything 
about you. I'm God. Come to me. Jesus is the antidote. Jesus is the answer. Now, is there a place for plans, programs, and pills? Yes. But I would say follow after the person of Jesus as you make the right decision for stress and burden and anxiety and worry. Ask yourself the question, is this God-centered? Is this God-centered? Because we are oftentimes going after the answers that the world loves to throw at us, but it's not the answer that God has for us. And so I pray that you will ask yourself, is this centered around Jesus? Is this centered around God? I know there's some wonderful programs out there that are centered around God. I think of a, several churches that uh, offer Celebrate Recovery. Some of you attend a Celebrate Recovery. It's a wonderful program helping people with their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But the cool thing about this program is it's all about Jesus. They recognize that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is the way that you doing it on your own will never get there. But with Jesus, you can. Jesus is the antidote. In the Bible, people came to Jesus for all kinds of reasons. Some came for forgiveness. Some came to Jesus for healing. Some came to Jesus for advice. Some came to Jesus for eternal life. Some came to Jesus for food. In fact, some came to Jesus to criticize him. Some came to Jesus to question him or to head question for him. Some came as skeptics, questioning who he was. But here's the point I want to make. Jesus didn't care why people came to him as long as they came. As long as they came. And Jesus doesn't care why you come to him as long as you come. And you can come to him and you can say, God, I'm wiped out. God, I'm I'm stressed. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm lonely. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm bitter, angry. I'm unfulfilled. I'm worried. And Jesus doesn't care why you come. Just come. The answer is a person. Come to me, and I will give you rest. In John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus said this, Those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. I will never cast them aside. So you don't have to worry. He says, God, you don't know all the stuff I've done. It doesn't matter. Jesus said, come to me. He says, God, you don't know my background. And I say, come to him. He says, God, you don't know the stuff I plan to do tomorrow or this week. And I say, come to Jesus. He says, God, you don't know my past what I've done. And I say, it doesn't matter. You come to Jesus. Jesus said, come to me. I'm the answer. Not a seminar, not a therapy, not a book, not a, not a CD 
or a podcast, not all this stuff. He says, I will never reject you. Come to me. He's the answer. Perhaps there's someone here, you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You don't have a relationship with Christ. I would say this, the answer you've been looking for is Jesus. The past Sunday, last week, we had our membership class. We had a good group of, of, of people that came to class, in our 20, 25 people. And we had all kinds of decisions being made. You know, but we had three, three or four people that came to the class, and they came to Jesus by way of salvation last Sunday. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I, I got to tell you, because I just love to share the stories. You know, and, and, and some of them are in here today, all right? They're in here, all right? And I'm not going to embarrass you or anything, but man, one, one individual came to me and said, Scott, I've been a Catholic all my life. I have been a Christian all my life. He said, but today, I became a follower of Christ. I was like, man, you just gave me goosebumps. Because that, that, that's it. It's about Jesus coming to him, coming to Jesus. Here's the third step this morning. You give up control. Give up control. Now we're talking, aren't we? This is it. <laughs> this is the real issue for a lot of it right here. Giving up control. And the reason for overload, the reason why you're stressed out is that we're trying to control everything. The reason we don't have margin is because we're trying to control it all. And we go around with this mindset that it all depends on me. I've got to hold it all together. You know, if, if, if I drop the ball, the whole thing is a disaster. We have this mindset. Listen, the greater your need to control, the more overloaded, the more stressed you're going to be in life. The greater your need to control, the more stressed out you're going to be. And the only thing that God wants you to control is you. It's called self-control. You can't control anything else. You can't control your parents, can't control your spouse, you can't control your kids, can't control your future, can't control your past, you can't control the economy, you can't control your co-workers, you can't control what happens in Washington, D.C., you can't control what happens in Lansing, you can't control, the only thing you can control is self-control. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about last week, the fruit of the Spirit. And one of those fruit of the Spirit is self-control. But the rest of it, we've got to give up control. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. It said, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Now, what is a yoke? All right? It's not a joke, all right? That's a different idea, all right? You know, making you laugh. That's a joke with a J. 
It's not a yoke like an egg yoke. All right? That's not what that is. A yoke is a piece of wood where you put two cattle together to pull a cart. I got a couple pictures of a yoke. All right? it, it's an old-fashioned yoke. You can see where maybe uh, two oxen can, uh, can be put into the, the noose. Here's another picture. We got another picture up there. And um, uh, here's a picture of those two bowls pulling. Sometimes you can have more than uh, two. You can, you can have it set up where you have four or six or eight. You can yoke horses. So you're yoking animals together to pull the cart. It's a wooden frame that joins two animals together. Now, you might be saying, now wait a minute, Scott, this doesn't sound very relaxing to me. <laughs> this doesn't sound very confident. Take my yoke upon you sounds like a burden. I'm already carrying too much, and Jesus said, now take my yoke upon me. It doesn't sound too good. I want you to write this down. Take a note, if you're taking notes. The purpose of a yoke is to share and lighten the load. It's to share and lighten the load. It's not to put more on you. It's to take it off of you. The purpose of the yoke is so you're not pulling the cart all by yourself. Jesus said, yoke up with me and I will help you. Give up some control and give it to me. Yoke with me. And when two animals, they team up together, it's a whole lot easier than when one animal is trying to do it all by himself. And the reason why you're so stressed out and overloaded is you're trying to carry everything on your own. You're trying to do it all. And God never intended for you to carry all by yourself. He says in, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he said, Take my yoke upon you. He said, Yoke up with me. And then verse number 30, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He said, Why is my burden light? Why? Because he's going to carry it with you. You're not on your own. But you have to be willing to give it to him. You see, some of you are yoked up to something else. All right, it's not a matter of taking on more burden. It, it's taking off the yoke off the things that are dragging you down and yoking up with Jesus to help carry the things that you've been trying to do on your own. Now, here's the key to this point. When you're yoked with Jesus, you have to move together in the same direction and the same pace with him. You can't go opposite with Jesus. You're going to be yoked with Jesus. You're going to walk with Jesus in the same direction with Jesus at the same pace with Jesus. You can't go faster than Jesus goes if you're yoked to him. You can't go in a different direction than Jesus goes if you're yoked to him. When I'm yoked to Christ, I'm going in the same direction that God wants me to go, and I'm going at the pace that God wants me to go. Now, let me ask you this. Who's setting the pace in your life right now? Who is setting the pace in your life? It could be a person. It could be a thing. Maybe it's your work. It's setting the pace for your life. Maybe it's your family. Although family is a great thing, but perhaps you, you, you've elevated your kids above your spouse. And there's no time for you. 
There's no time for your spouse because you're kid-centered and not spouse-centered. And ultimately, ultimately, you're not Christ-centered. All those things are great, but when we're yoked with Christ, those things can be behind us. When you're yoked with Christ, you can be pulling them in the proper direction at the proper pace of life. Are you yoked with Christ? If Christ is set in the pace, your life is light and easy. If you're set in the pace, and it probably is, it will be overloaded and you will be stressed out. And I find it interesting in Scripture that you never saw Jesus anywhere in Scripture that you saw Jesus running somewhere. Never saw him running. And you won't be either if you're connected to Christ, if you're yoked with Christ. Give up control and give it to Jesus. Here's the fourth step as we finish up. Learn to trust. Learn to trust. Matthew 11, verse 29. Have you noticed the verbs in your passage? The first word, the first verb is come. The second verb is take. The third verb, the third verb is learn. It says, learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Jesus here modeled how to live with purpose and peace. That's why he says, learn from me. Learn. And the fourth step to reducing overload is to follow after Jesus' example. He says, watch how I do this. Watch how I live. That means that in order to watch how he does it, you have to read the Bible. You have to pick up the owner's manual of your life to learn from Jesus. If you want to be healthy, if you want to be balanced, learn from Jesus. Now, learning is a process, right? It, 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 it's a process, which means it takes time to learn how this works. If you didn't get overloaded overnight, and you're not going to get unoverloaded overnight, all right? It took you a long time to get in a bad situation. It's going to take you a while to get away from it. It's going to take some time for you to unlearn it. And you can learn from Jesus. You say, well, what can I learn from Jesus? He said to be gentle and humble in heart. Now, notice he didn't say, learn from me because I have endurance and stamina. Now, honestly, that's what I wish he would say. Learn from me so you know how to plow through with stamina and strength. I mean, that's what I want to see. That's what I want to hear. But he said, no, learn from me because I'm gentle, and humble. Wow. I would have, you know, for me, it would have been something else, right? But gentle and humble? Why are those things so important in stress relief? You see, gentleness and humility are the two greatest antidotes to the two biggest causes of overload and Stress. And the two biggest cause of stress is aggression and arrogance. 
Aggression and arrogance. We'll talk about that for a minute. Aggression is we don't want to wait. We don't want to take time to pause. We, want, we don't want to consider others. We want to jump into things right away. We want to get overcommitted. We get aggressive, and we do it now, 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 and we don't want to wait. Aggressive. Isn't that our lifestyle a little bit today? And because of our aggression, we're dressed out to the mass. We don't want to be patient. And what's the antidote to aggression? Jesus said, learn from me to be gentle. Gentle. And then the other word, what's the other word? Arrogant. It goes back to, man, I'm that superman. I can do it all by myself. I know what to do. I know how to do this. I can be in control of everything. If, if I'm not in control of it, it's not going to come out the way it's supposed to be. It's not going to be as good as I want it to be. So I'll do it all. I'll be the superman. You have this ego that you can't share the load. You can't share the responsibility with others because it's all about you. And Jesus said, you want to learn how to live a life without stress, you gotta, you got to humble yourself. you got to live in humility. you got to recognize the fact that you cannot be the savior of everybody's world. That you can't be Superman. That you have to give that up. We already have a savior of the world, and his name is Jesus. And he said, come to me. I'm the one that has the answer. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 24, the Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? Why are we always trying to challenge God in every step? Trust in him. If God's directing your step and your yoke with him, I don't have to understand it. I just know that he is not. That he's going to take me in the right direction, at the right pace. I don't have to be stressed out. He's not going to drive me off the road. He's not going to run me into the ditch. Speaking of running into the ditch, the past week I'm driving down 21 miles. About 10 o'clock at night, when I see this car in the ditch, and there was nobody there. It just happened. I said, and it was kind of raining. It was on Monday night. It was kind of wet. And I said, and I said man, I don't know who it is. And I turned around, you know, and, and uh, uh, sure enough, here was this, you know, young, young kid, you know, just past his driving age limit. And I said, man, what happened? I just didn't see the road. I just drove into the ditch. I said, well, yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, we tried to help him. We got him out of there, you know. But Jesus will never drive you in the ditch when you're yoked with him. Jesus is saying to you, come to me. I have the answers you're looking for. Take my yoke. Let go of me. Let go of control and walk with me at my pace. Come with me. And say, learn from me. Follow after my example as I live with gentleness and humility. I pray here today that you will get fed up with the way you've been living. Come to Jesus. What an invitation. What an invitation. Better than any invitation you ever get in the mail. 
better than any invitation to any wedding, to any party. What an invitation for you to come to Jesus. And as we close the series today, I pray that you recognize the fact that Jesus, he's the answer. And if you're here today, you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. I pray that today, maybe today, you will take that decision. You will make a decision and say, I want to come to you. I'm tired of the way I've been living. I need you in my life. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and we love you. We thank you for the we thank you for your scripture and your word that got the answer to everything we're looking for. We try to look for all the answers in all the wrong places. And all along, the owner's manual for our life is right in front of us. It teaches us on how to live with margin. It teaches us how we can not live a life on empty. But how we can have a life with a tank full. And so, God, I pray you help us. Perhaps there's some of us here, we've been in denial. There's been some things in our life that we just, we've been, we just won't let go. God, I pray that we will get fed up with the way we've been living and start taking some steps, a next step in the right direction, whatever that might be. Perhaps they need to start coming to you for the answers. Maybe we've been looking for the answers everywhere else, but not you. God, perhaps today... That's the decision. That's the next step that someone needs to take. Perhaps there's some of us here that we've been trying to control everything. God, I pray that today they will learn to let go of control and give it to you and to be yoked with you. And God, I pray that we will learn from your example. And then, God, maybe there's someone here today that don't have a relationship with Christ. They've been trying to live life on their own. They've been trying to do it on their own. They've been trying to figure out religion on their own. God, I pray that we understand this. I pray that that person will understand it's not about religion, but it's about a relationship with you. It's about who you are. You came as a perfect man. You died on the cross for our sins. You were buried, and then you did what no other man could ever do. You came out of the grave. You came back from the dead. And you conquered our sin. You conquered death in the grave. And so, God, I pray that today, if there's someone here that doesn't have a relationship with you, that today they will take a next step into following after you. I pray that they will take, make a decision of salvation into their life. And so, God, I thank you. As we've seen this last song, God, I pray that we will sing it with all of our heart. As we've seen this song, I need you. And you and him, I pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's worship.